tired of the ups and downs of the roller coaster and want to get off? Well, look up, folks. It could be worse. Believe it or not. Next on Principles and Policies. Hello, this is Chuck Michaelis. I am a, a faith-based um, commentator, if you will. I used to be the chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy, and since there isn't any such thing anymore, uh, I'm not. But I maintain this program uh, after the death of my best friend, Barry Sheets, and my mentor and a uh, uh, great guy all around, a uh, very, very active man, very, very deep thinker. Uh, and I hope some of that is rubbed off on me, although that's up to you to decide. Um, I, I, what, what do I mean by the roller coaster ride? I'm looking at the things that are going on in the world and in the United States right now, and I'm just simply, uh, how is it that, that uh, um, all these things are happening and the... Uh, it could be even worse. Why do I say it could be worse? Well, my gosh, folks, uh, we are handling the things that are going on very well. Um, you know, I, uh, one thing I want to do is, is keep the people of Mexico, especially the Acapulco area in our prayers because they got hit by a tremendous hurricane that wasn't supposed to be a hurricane, or at least it wasn't supposed to be quite so, so powerful it was a category five and uh um it did tremendous damage i have not heard yet about uh I, i'm uh this is friday um the 27th of october uh 2023 um i ha i have not seen casualty figures but i have seen pictures of the damage that was done it's tremendous now I'll be quite honest. I've I've been in Mexico. I've been mostly in the Baja Peninsula. Uh, I've been as far south as Ensenada. Um, I spent about a week in Plaza Santa Maria, and we drove around. and And uh, at the time, this was in the early '80s, I think. Um, the federal highway had just uh, washed out, uh, so we had to back road it. And let me tell you, folks, backroading it in in Mexico is an experience. Uh, I'll be quite honest; it's 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 a, a, a poor country. Uh, well, I should say it's uh, it, it has a, a a great separation in the amount of wealth. Uh, there are people who are tremendously wealthy, and there is a middle class. Don't don't get me wrong, but there are people who are tremendously wealthy, and people who are tremendously poor. Uh, the poor in this country in, in large part, um, have, uh, homes and color TVs and cars and, uh, uh, things, uh, you know, uh, material things. Um, in Mexico, people live in, uh, um, shacks thrown up from bits and pieces of things that have, uh, uh, that they've gotten. I, I've driven past the, uh, uh, Tijuana uh, I was on my way to Playa's de Tijuana, and I, we took a Tijuana taxi, if you don't know what that is. It's a big station wagon, for those of you who <laughs> remember station wagons. 
Um, it's a big station wagon and they cram as many people as they can and they ask him where they're going. And you, he goes around and drops off people at their given, don uh, given places, picks up other people, takes the money and you end eventually end up where you're going. Why well, we took a Tijuana taxi and we went past the, uh, the dump just, uh, I don't know how better to put it the dump, the Tijuana dump. And there are people that live there. They have shacks made out of uh, corrugated uh, steel and lumber that they've picked out of the out of the debris, and uh, they pick through it for things they can can sell, and sadly for things they can eat. Um, and uh, that's the kind of thing that you see in Mexico. Well, Acapulco is a higher end uh, place. It's a it's a uh, vacation destination and that kind of thing, but. Mexico is not noted for its building codes. Um, it, you know, it's nothing like here where you have to, uh, uh, you know, meet certain criteria. They simply won't let you occupy the building. The, the, uh, the, the building codes just simply are, don't exist or are ignored and, uh, or are, uh, uh, I'm sad to say bribed away. Um, there is a strong bribery culture in, in Mexico and, uh, uh, many things get done that way. It's called La Mordita, the little bite. Um, and, uh, uh, many things get done. Now I've done business in Mexico for years and we don't have that problem. Uh, but we're not doing the actual cross border stuff. We, uh, uh, we have clients in Mexico and we ship things to Mexico from my business, uh, Rocky Fork Formulas Incorporated. And the, the advertisement that you hear here, uh, Rain Rock Nutritionals. Um, and um, um, we do do business with them. They have to deal with that stuff. Um, and they'll, they'll be, they're very open about it. Uh, they ha do have to deal with that. Okay, well... When you look at these pictures of the devastation that's gone on, first of all, you can imagine a Cat 5, say, in Florida or in on the Texas uh, coast, uh, what it looks like. For instance, Galveston or uh, New Orleans after Katrina, which was, what, a Category 3, I think. Category 3, maybe a Category 4. Um, and we know the damage that can be done um, even in a modern... Uh, and uh, uh, well-kept uh, buildings, according to building code. Of course, older buildings are generally the first that really take it on the chin. We had friends who had uh, houses that were built to the current code in, on uh, uh, Sanibel Island, and their home was inundated, had to be, it, it was left standing. And if you recall, you couldn't get to Sanibel Island uh down in uh, southwest Florida, you couldn't get there for a while because the bridge was had been knocked out by the hurricane. This was just last year, I think. Um, so this is the kind of devastating thing, and it, I think that was a Cat Five. Uh, it knocked the bridge down. It inundated homes. Now, now when you rebuild, if your house gets knocked down and you have to rebuild in that area, you got to build on stilts. And it's interesting to watch and see, to look and see the houses that were built on stilts. 
Oh, they had some of their shingles blown off and they had some of their windows broken, but they didn't get the problems that the people that are built at ground level got. Some of those homes were just simply knocked over and matchsticked by the force of the, the wind and the waves and the, and the rain and, and all that. Uh, that's what you're looking at in, in uh, Mexico. Um, even the, the vacation resorts really got knocked around. So be in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Mexico. Um, pray that, uh, uh, they recover and that, uh, um, uh, that relatives find out where everybody is and, and that the devastation, the loss of life is not as high as it was thought it might be. Um, in any case, uh, that's one of the dips in the roller coaster. Uh, and other dips in the roller coaster, we had we had a mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine, of a of a man who was quote unquote a certified shooting instructor. Uh, let, let's take this as as uh, from from what is known. Yes, this man was at one time a certified shooting instructor. However, he had mental health issues and was actually taken into custody by the police at one time uh, in this last year uh, and was essentially deemed to have mental health issues. Now, the man apparently has some hearing problems. Uh he ha- uh, just had um, hearing aids. And supposedly, this is a new story that, that I saw this morning. Now, this story comes out of the Daily Mail in Britain, who ha- oftentimes gets more detailed in their storytelling t- uh, than American um news sources i'll be quite honest they they do a better job but they have a prejudice against um being british and being liberal they have a prejudice against uh, the right to keep and bear arms um so um there's something coming out of the daily mail that said uh, the headline says did main gunman robert card target deaf friends deaf d-e-a-f a uh, killer had recently been given hearing aids and claimed they let him hear people criticizing him at the bowling alley and bar where he murdered four deaf friends and 14 others. Okay, folks, this is clearly a sign of mental illness. This man was mentally ill. He had been deemed so by law enforcement, which means he could not be in possession of a firearm. You cannot be... Uh, deemed um, mentally ill and maintain the right to keep and bear arms. Why? Because people that are mentally ill, uh, obviously, if this man got hearing aids and he could quote-unquote hear people criticizing him, that means he's paranoid. Look, we get you and I get criticized all the time, right? People, uh, sometimes we get insulted, and if we take it in a Christian fashion, sometimes we take it... Um, as uh, constructive. Um, I know that uh, sometimes people say, why do you do, you know, why don't you try this or this or this or this? And I'll try that. You know, you're, you're spinning your wheels. Why don't you try this? And I'll try that. And I'm like, you know, that actually does work better. 
and I'm glad that you, you know, you gave me that criticism. My, my wife is very good at that. She'll say, you know, you're, and sometimes I stomp my feet and say, I'll never do that. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, I'm like, all right, let's try it. And we try it and <laughs> her way works. It, it does work out that way. Um, this, and this is a woman who knows how to deal with me after we've been married, uh, for, uh, 37 years and, uh, we've been together for 39, almost 40 years. Uh, in fact, it'll be 40. We've got together in, yeah, be 40 years in December. Um, but, uh, in any case, um, this man had no business having a firearm. Um, he had been struggling with mental health. That was well known. Uh, he thought he, his sister-in-law said, now again, this man's, I think estranged from his wife, which I'm sure did not add to the stress level he was feeling at all. Uh, but his sister-in-law said that through, uh, his new hearing aids, he could hear people bashing him at the, uh, at the bar and grill, uh, in this place. And in fact, uh, um, a lot of people, it's, it's a bowling alley, but he played cornhole with, uh, some of the other deaf people. They, uh, he had deaf friends because he was hard of hearing and, uh, um, he played cornhole with them. Well, uh. He may have been targeting those deaf friends. The fact that uh, four out of the 14 that he killed were uh, some of those deaf friends. Uh, and he, he apparently has been diagnosed as a schizophrenic. Uh, he's still at large as of this morning. And um, what, what's, what's with that? I don't know. They know who he is and they know who they're looking for. Where's he hiding? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, he, he did kill seven people at the bowling alley. He then drove to another bar where a deaf cornhole tournament was underway. Uh, by the way, his wife worked at the, uh, at the bowling alley. He went to this place called, uh, well, I won't give you the name of the place, but, uh, a deaf, cornhole tournament was underway and there he killed another eight people uh, uh you know uh um so um it's just simply tra there's pictures of him wielding this this weapon that he wasn't supposed to have um you know uh we're going to hear the gun control arguments start to come through oh if only he, if there were no guns for him to get, then this wouldn't have happened. That's not true. And all you got to do is look in places where schizophrenics get a hold of anything. Knives, uh, machetes, uh, sometimes with uh, building implements, people with 10-pound uh, uh, hammers, uh, sledgehammers. Um, there's all kinds of of weapons that we don't necessarily think of as weapons directly. You know, of course we think of a gun as a weapon, although, uh, I've never shot a gun at anyone. I've never pointed one at anyone except maybe in a, a fake gun in a laser tag tournament. Um, a, uh, uh, an airsoft, 
you know, pointing an airsoft at somebody or, or that kind of thing. But there's no mistaking between a, an airsoft or a laser tag gun and a semi-automatic rifle, a shotgun, a uh, pump-action uh, rifle or shotgun, a pistol, uh, automatic uh, revolver, whatever, single shot. Uh, there is a world of difference between those two things, and yet... We know that people, you can weaponize virtually anything. I carry a pen knife. Could I weaponize that if I wanted to? Yeah, why do I carry it? I got to cut ropes or lines or cut. Uh, if my lawnmower gets wrapped up in something fibrous, I have to go down and take the, put the deck up and cut stuff away. Should knives be banned because they can be weaponized? Should machetes be banned because they can be weaponized? Should sledgehammers be banned because they can be weaponized? No, of course not. And a gun is like any other tool. A gun is a tool. Um, we uh, most own a gun so that they can deal with situations that can't be handled any other way. Um, am I a concealed carry holder? Yes, I am. I am a concealed carry holder. I carry all the time. I carry in restaurants. I carry in, uh, I, you can't carry in a bar, but you can carry in a restaurant. Um, you, uh, I carry in the grocery store. I carry, because why? Because people have gone nuts and burst into places like Walmart and places like, uh, uh, well, name something. Name a store. Somebody has burst in somewhere with a gun. And the fact is that there are people who are now stating openly that we're in these places where this guy, this guy rushed in with an AR-15 style. They say it's an AR-15 style weapon. I see a picture of it. Uh, AR uh, AR fifteen style weapon doesn't mean anything. It means it's a uh, it's a it's a black gun. Uh, an AR fifteen is a specific model of a rifle. Um, this is a military style weapon. If it's a semi automatic, um, and uh, there are people who are now saying they wish they had been allowed to have a gun to defend themselves and others in the bar. In fact, there, one of the, one of the, uh, there was a, uh, in the bowling alley, I believe one of the people who's being touted as a hero. And I tend to agree is a, a bartender, I believe who saw what was happening and there were children because it's a bowling alley. There were children in the place and he rushed to get kids undercover and got himself shot doing it. He was shot in his legs, thank goodness, uh, although he is in the hospital and recovering from his gunshot wounds and several children he got he got undercover. So is he a hero? Yes. Unfortunately, he wasn't armed, so he couldn't shoot back. That's one of the reasons I conceal carry when I go into places like restaurants and groceries and the department store and the places where I shop and that kind of thing. I, ha I keep one in the car. Why? Because I've heard of and read about uh, too many stories of people who 
uh, some road rage incident starts up and somebody starts shooting. Uh, you know, uh, people uh, angry because people are doing the speed limit or won't run a red light or, uh, you know, they're in a hurry and they're paranoid and they're, uh, um, you know, angry. And that happens. I want to be able to defend myself and my wife and my family. So I, I do conceal carry. There are places I don't, obviously. Banks, uh, post offices, that kind of thing. You're, why? Because you're not allowed to. I was in a, in a bank last week to do a withdrawal to pay a contractor. And a guy came in and was instantly belligerent. And I mean, not just, not just, uh, um, you know, come on people, what are you doing? He was instantly belligerent using language that, uh, uh, I'm familiar with the words, but, uh, could not be repeated on the air and pacing back and forth. And, and, um, he was, uh, coming in, he was trying to close a, a joint account with a mental health and addiction, uh, counseling place who who were protecting him from himself basically by uh having uh, uh joint accounts with him that they would control so he doesn't go uh, do the things with his money that he's not supposed to be doing well this is a man almost 40 years old um he gave his birth date this is a man in his upper 30s who's acting like a petulant 15 year old who um who's not getting his way and unfortunately, I wasn't armed that day. I was in the bank. First of all, I wouldn't have a gun in there. Uh, but second of all, I didn't even have one in the car. And I regretted not having one. I said, what if this guy goes nuts? You know, there's an old saying that when seconds count, uh, the cops are only minutes away. That's not to take away from the police department. They do what they can do. You know, you got to go through the uh, 911 and the dispatcher and all that. Nonetheless, it could take minutes. Meanwhile, somebody like this guy in Maine is shooting the place up and he drives down the street and shoots somebody else up. Now, what's this guy going to do? It was already thought they heard the quote-unquote bangs coming from his parents' house last night while they got in there and there was nobody in there. So what were these bangs? Who knows? Um, This guy may go off and suddenly come to his senses and kill himself. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. In fact, it may have already happened. Um, but the fact is that these murder-suicide things, you know, if you're that angry and that paranoid and that schizophrenic, again, how did he get hold of this gun? Um, the police have a tendency to come into places where somebody uh, is arrested for doing something foolish and, and gets a duty. They'll go and take your, the weapons away unless, uh, someone has else has taken them and secured them. Um, so we don't know all the, the, uh, the details yet. We, what we do know is, is that the, uh, g- gun confiscation crowd is already, uh, doing what they do best. And that is screaming for quote unquote, new regulations. Well, folks, the regulations we have uh, aren't doing anything except really in the in cases like this, except keeping me from being able to buy a weapon. Uh, and I've demonstrated, n- never have I demonstrated any uh, 
behavior which would cause anyone to question my right to keep and bear arms and defend myself and my family. Um, the, the fact is that uh, um, there's, do we need to weed out guys like this? Yes, we do. We generally, in most states, have laws designed to do exactly what people want to have done, and that is protect them from people like this man. The fact is that a good guy with a gun very often stops a bad guy with a gun very quickly. Uh, I'm thinking of an incident, the first incident comes to mind, that the news media hated. Uh, the first thing they said was that the good guy who stopped the uh, the shooting was in violation of the mall's uh, no-concealed carry policy. And I, the first thing I said was, uh, this was in uh, Greenwood, Indiana. And a guy showed up with a, a semi-automatic rifle and started shooting. And um, a man with who had a concealed carry weapon, he, they were in a food court, um, he drew his weapon and shot the man who was doing the shooting, putting an end to, to this, what could have been uh, one of these mass shooting sprees, easily killing, you know, perhaps 30 people, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, when the news media pointed out this man was in violation, I said, good, finally, somebody did the right thing. They ignored the, the uh, no concealed carry signs and carried and did the thing that I would have done. They shot the perpetrator. Um, this is one of the problems that we run into. P people think that they put a sign out front that says no guns and people won't carry guns. Yes, they will. And that's why that man knew that and carried his pistol concealed into that mall. Uh, I've been in restaurants where uh, gun collectors and shooters that I know uh, would go and have lunch, and one day it showed up, and there was a, uh, a, a no-concealed-carry sign on the door. And he very politely went in, and he said, is that is that your policy now? The the, the proprietor knew who they were knew they came in every week and and bought pizzas and you know uh, had lunch and ha had uh, you know a couple hours of discussion bought soft drinks bought you know food and that kind of thing he says is that your policy now he said yeah and he goes well okay that's it we're we're not coming in here anymore and he says why not uh, i want you to feel safe and he goes i don't feel safe in a place where i can't carry a concealed weapon and I feel the same way. I feel naked when I have to go into a place without a concealed concealed carry weapon. Why? Do I think uh, that everybody around me is a, a wild-eyed shooter? No, I don't. But I want to be prepared for the day when when there um, when there um, is a wild-eyed shooter. And I hope that day never comes. I actually pray for it. Please, God, let this not be the day. When I have to use this thing, somebody said, you're just aching. I, I've had people say, you're just aching to shoot somebody. I said, no, that's the last thing I want to do. And I would do everything I could to keep from using that weapon. I am not anxious 
to uh to draw it or use it and i've never had to draw it um ever uh one time years ago i carried a concealed weapon and i wasn't supposed to uh, i did draw one then uh three guys were uh, preparing to assault me and i did draw it i didn't point it uh, i showed them that i had it and they uh, uh decided that discretion was the better part of valor and left um which saved me from possibly being beaten unconscious or possibly dead and possibly robbed. Um, so do I have an experience with that? Yeah. Uh, again, I didn't point it. I just simply made it clear that I had it. Um, and uh, that worked. That worked out well. So that is the reason that people carry concealed. They want to protect. In fact, most of them... Uh, to be honest, they will protect you as well if you don't carry. Um, I, I, I've heard some people that, well, you'll end up shooting up other people. No. People who, who conceal, one of the things you learn in a concealed carry class is don't fire into a crowd. Get yourself into a position where you can get away from firing that would be dangerous to other people. This is not shoot off out in the middle of the street. That's generally not the way that works. It would be in a place like a shopping mall. It would be in a place like a store of, of some kind, a hardware store or department store or wherever. So you would have to be very careful and try to work your way around to where it would not be dangerous for other people in the store. And, uh, uh, that's one of the reasons they, uh, you take a concealed carry class, you have to practice and they tell you buy ammo and go out and practice, go to the shooting range. If you have property, go out into your property where, you know, it's, it's a safe to shoot and shoot. I have property out here and we can shoot out here. It's not a problem. Uh, we shoot downhill. So it, if it goes too far, it ends up going into the dirt. It's really not a problem out here. But that being said, this is one of the things, and we need to be in prayer for those families in Lewiston, Maine, and for the man who is the shooter, uh, who is clearly mentally ill, and uh, we pray that the police uh, pick him up as soon as possible. So please be in prayer over that. But one of that's this is another you know another dip in the roller coaster, another dip in the roller coaster, and I'm not segueing very well. I don't care. Uh, I'm trying to cover a number of issues that are going on. Of course, we have what's going on in the Middle East that's been going on now for uh, uh, in Israel and in uh, uh, the Gaza Strip and in uh, dealing with Hamas and that kind of thing. And there, there's a lot of information and a lot of misinformation floating around out there over this thing. And uh, this is what happens when you have people who are... Uh, frankly uh, uh have a particular agenda they're dealing with and you, you'll see that in uh um you know there were some of the knee-jerk reactions about uh when the uh the the original attacks were made people came out instantly and said well israel deserves it the israelis deserve it it's it's um, I stand with Hamas and, and all those things. Well, if you stand with Hamas, you stand with the terror organizations. One of the reasons, um, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of things about Israel uh, um, 
restricting their water and their food supply and that kind of thing. There's a reason for that. Uh, when Hamas came in and uh, remember that uh, the Gaza Strip is a semi-autonomous region. In other words, the uh, uh, the Israeli government has turned it over to the quote-unquote Palestinian Authority, which immediately basically means that Hamas came in and took over. Hamas is a ter- terrorist organization. Um, it is a... Uh, um, uh, they're, they're, obviously, they're not afraid to use tactics like they used, attacking unarmed people in kibbutzes and at concerts and taking hostages and just simply murdering people. I, I, I said last week I didn't, I didn't buy much into the, uh, the dead baby thing, the beheaded and, and cut up babies, and I still don't. And a, a lot of time, all of a sudden, that's that's sort of gone by the wayside. Why? Because it's one of those things that gets reported, um, especially by those who, again, have their own agenda. And uh, if you sit and wait in a news cycle, you have a story like that. Sensation, uh, ultra-sensational story. And, you know, pictures to go with it. Wait 24 48, 72 hours to see what comes of it. Well, it turns out that this this baby thing may be overstated. It's sort of the same thing about, if you'll recall, last, uh, this, earlier this week and, and last week, they talked about the, uh, the Israelis hitting a hospital in the Gaza and killing hundreds of people. Um, and this went on and on and on in the media and people were coming out and condemning Israel for murdering all these people in this hospital and all these things. Well, you wait 24, 48, 72 hours. And what, what do we come to find out? No, not an Israeli strike at all in this hospital. A, the hospital wasn't hit itself was not hit. There was an explosion in the parking lot. What was the explosion caused by? It was caused by a misfired rocket from the Hamas side that misfired and landed in a hospital parking lot and blew up a bunch of cars. Did, were, was anybody injured or killed? Probably. But was it uh, 500, 1,000, any number of things that, that you, you hear? It was all nonsense. Um, and the news media dutifully reported it. If you recall, one, one of the big races in the news media is to be the first to report. Now, again, this goes back to the old newspaper days. Exclusive here. You heard it here first, blah, blah, blah. This is back in the days when newspapers printed multiple editions, uh, during the day. And if you recall in the old movies, what do they say? Extra, extra read all about it. What's the extra extra edition. That means they did another printing because the the news was too big to let sit for the next edition. So they print an extra edition, get it out on the street and sell as many newspapers as they could. This is sort of like what's going on now is sort of like extra extra. We have the story on this hospital that was blown up. Well, people did aerial uh, um, work, did intelligence work and basically said, no, if w- the bombs we're using there would have been giant craters. 
uh, you, you would have been total destruction of the hospital. Hospital still standing, and as far as we know, still in use after they replaced some windows and things that were blown out by this by this rocket that they, they exploded in the um, in the uh, uh, in the parking lot um, and destroyed all these cars. So this we have to be careful we have to have uh, not get excited this is one of the things people get excited about things and they get worked up and once people are emotionally involved rather than intellectually involved thinking through things that they're seeing and hearing and that's one of the problems that we have we as this is the the bible is very clear if you run off half-cocked and do things, what happens? You get surprised. You get, you hurt others. You hurt yourself. You hurt your cause. You hurt your side. You have to think things through. And we don't have a whole lot of that going on in this Israel versus the Palestinian Authority thing right now. We don't have a whole lot of thought going into it. Why? Well, first of all, you have to go to alternate media sources to get anything resembling an unbiased report. There is no unbiased reporting in this incident, in what's going on right now. This is one of the problems that we face. If you're simply going to the alphabet networks and listening to what they say, you are getting terribly misinformed. You are being force-fed misinformation. And in, in the days subsequent, you get stories that are backed off from, but you don't hear it. It's not reported with the same sensation. We were wrong. You don't hear that at all. The only time you ever hear that out of, an, out of a news organization is when they get sued and lose. I still remember uh, uh, Dateline NBC, I think it was. Uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't swear to that. It, w- it wasn't an NBC program. Uh, who, who did this sensationalized report on uh, exploding, uh, I think it was Chevy trucks exploding in, in uh, uh, collisions. Well, it turns out that uh, they, they had a film of it, and they used this film of this this truck exploding in this simulated collision, blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out that they had rigged the, the truck to explode. They got busted on it, and they had to come out and give an apology and do this, you know, long-winded, oh, gosh, you know, we're, we're really sorry. We're, well, what they were sorry was they got caught. And what they were pushing for was was this uh, further regulatory control they wanted. Um, and, and they had activists who came to them with these films and these ideas who wanted a certain set of regulations that, were, it turns out, were completely unnecessary. Th- this is what we deal with. We de- have a lot of news agencies that, who have a lot of friends especially on the left, who want certain legislation, certain regulation, certain things a certain way done in society, and they rely heavily on them for information. This is like what you complain about 
at the state house and at the federal level. That is, a lot of our laws that we have now were written by lobbyists. You think the legislatures craft the legislation. They do in some sense, but the the base legislation is often supplied by lobbyists. Why? Because they get paid a tremendous amount of money. I mean a tremendous amount of money to do that. Now, my good friend Barry Sheets was a lobbyist, and he was involved in crafting legislation. What did he get paid to do it? A pittance. I don't know how this man lived on the amount of money that he made with a family of five. I really don't. He and I discussed things, and I was one of his clients because he kept his finger on the pulse for me of legislation that would affect my industry. Do I think lobbyists are all bad? No, I don't. There are two types of lobbyists. There was a confrontation lobbyist, which was what Barry Sheets was, and there are a few of those. Um, and then there are influence lobbyists, and they lay they they buy golf trips, they buy dinners, uh, they uh, give gifts, um, they flatter use flattery, whatever they need to do to get the legislation for whatever industry they're working for. And don't kid yourself, the medical industry in this state is gigantic. And you know who else is a gigantic lobbying group? The Ohio State University. Is huge. They have they have stopped a number of good laws, uh, especially having to do with life issues. And by the way, folks, I, I do want to talk about issue one before we get out of here, um, which is actually coming up quicker than I thought. I didn't think I was going to get this far into this this subject, but the fact is that uh, Ohio State University has lobbied tremendously that they were uh heavily involved we tried to ban uh uh the use of stem cells from uh from abortion uh you can gather stem cells from cord blood which is perfectly legitimate uh, but they wanted to to harvest uh stem cells and still do want to harvest stem cells from aborted fetuses uh we frankly find that ghoulish uh on this uh as we approach halloween uh, that is truly ghoulish. It's uh, uh, essentially using human beings as spare parts. And the argument, of course, is that uh, a fetus is not a human being. Well, that's an absurdity. Speaking as biochemist, it is a it's a human with a with a uh, a not fully developed human, but it's a human at the one cell stage. It's a not fully developed human, and it's but it's a human. I have a I have a grandchild that is. Uh, about 14 weeks from birth, uh, not fully developed, and uh, um, nonetheless human being. And I will ask, how many cells does it take before you become a human being? This is the, uh, I'm getting off track. Uh, the answer is one. It takes one cell with a full, complete uh, chromosome complement, uh, and it's a human being. We're getting nonsense. And we have to learn, you have to develop discernment to be able to get through it. Now, look, I go to alternative uh, news sites. Why? Because I can piece together a puzzle. I can look at the pictures. I can look at the different prejudices. Uh, uh, let's go on that. Let's segue into uh, uh, the election of a, uh, of a Speaker of the House. 
the House of Representatives. Uh, the uh, um, the conservative wing of the legislators uh, got together and um, managed to oust Kevin McCarthy, who was the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Uh, he was a Speaker of the House of Representatives because, if you recall, he went through 20 ballots before he got elected. Why? Because there were holdouts on the conservative side. Kevin McCarthy is a liberal. Don't kid yourself. Uh, I don't want to hear that, well, but he was a Republican. That doesn't mean anything. Party labels mean nothing. Ideology means something. And he was a liberal uh, Californian who elected to the House. And, you know, why is he a liberal? Well, we won't go into the demographics, but the fact is that he, he was a liberal. But what he had to do to get the job was to make promises to the conservative wing of the Republicans in the House. He made... Uh, he made promises that they would not do omnibus spending bills. If you don't know what that is, they cram it all into one bill and you got to vote yes or no. Thousands of pages sometimes these things are. He said, no, we'll vote for them piecemeal. He promised no more continuing resolutions. Well, what were we on? We were on continuing resolutions. Basically, the, the conservative wing says we either pass a budget and we pass it piecemeal or we don't pass it, and we let the government close. What does it mean to have the government close? Well, it means all the people that are bothering you essentially are out of a job temporarily. Uh, and again, another place where the media lies, all these poor people that don't get a paycheck. Guess what? At the, at the end of the government shutdown, they get their money back plus interest. They get, they get their paycheck plus interest. I've been hearing these for years and years and years and years. All oh, these poor folks who uh, are dependent upon the federal government and now all of a sudden there's no paychecks and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they'll get their money. My, my sister-in-law used to work for the Defense Department. Yes, every time the government shut down, she went to work. And did she get her paycheck? No. But, you know, if we, they were closed down for two or three weeks. She got She got a big check for two or three weeks worth. And she got a little interest just to, uh, um, you know, uh, keep things rolling along. Um, so don't buy into some of this propaganda. Again, the news media lies. Some of the alternative media lies. Somewhere the truth is. Uh, I, I have uh, alternative news media sources that I trust. Um, and I have very few... Um, very few mainstream media. In fact, I can't think of any. Uh, I never trusted Fox News, and it turns out that Fox News, uh, now, uh, they had the same liberal bias as everybody else. The difference between Fox News and the alpha, other alphabet news things is their opinion side. Their opinion side is very conservative. And that's what people watch for. You, you'll see that Fox News has fallen off on the reporting side. People go to them for uh, the opinion side. Now, again, uh, Sean Hannity is their number one conservative. Oh, my gosh. Please, folks, keep me away from Sean Hannity. Uh, 
Sean is not very bright. Uh, Sean sitting around uh, in a in a situation where uh, like we're in wearing a CIA pin. Okay, what's that tell you? Uh, Sean's listening to the wrong people because the CIA are the wrong people. Uh, they're part of that intelligence group that was, uh, frankly, out to get Trump. I, I'll be right up front with you. Uh, CIA, the National Security Agency, uh, Department of Homeland Security, FBI, obviously was out to get Trump and would gin up any anything to get him, which is exactly... What they, they got him impeached once on false information about uh, collusion with Russian oligarchs. All that story just completely crashed and burned. And did they admit it? Up to a point. Did they admit their, their role in it? Um, up to a point. Um, they still want to drag it out every once in a while. And you, you got guys in the house like Adam Schiff and that kind of thing. Okay. Well, let's go back to uh, electing the, the speaker of the house. So Kevin McCarthy essentially lied. And not only that, what people don't seem to realize is that Kevin McCarthy made a backdoor deal, a secret deal with Nancy Pelosi so that she agreed with him. She, uh, she, made a pact that if the uh, the conservative wing in the in the uh, House of Representatives tried to call him to account for the fact that you know he didn't keep any of his, the promises that he made which is exactly what they did Nancy had agreed that the Democratic caucus would protect him and would vote no on uh They'd let some of their members vote yes to uh, give a no-confidence vote to the Speaker, which removes him from the office. Um, but that they would come out and enough of the of the Rhino Republicans and the and the fence sitters would vote to not remove McCarthy along with the Democrats. Well, what happened? The Democrats came out and voted yes to remove McCarthy. Why? I, who knows? Why did Nancy break her uh, her pledge? Guys, if I knew that, um, I would not be sitting here uh, talking to you. I'd be uh, writing stories and doing reports on in alternative media. Um, I don't consider WLRY <laughs> alternative media so much. Um, but uh, the, the fact is that there was an ulterior motive. Here's what I think it was. I believe that what they thought they might accomplish was to remove Kevin McCarthy and have there be chaos because they know that conservative wing of the party was not going to vote in somebody like Patrick Henry from North Carolina, a, the most liberal member of the North Carolina delegation who was the acting speaker for a time, if you recall, and all of a sudden, Kevin McCarthy comes out and he wants to give him more power. and Because and they knew Patrick Henry would not, under any circumstances, be uh, anything but an interim Speaker of the House. So th then they come up with this fellow from Minnesota called named Emmer. Well, Emmer was, uh, was head of a front, was a front man for George Soros up in Minnesota for national popular vote. 
And if you've ever heard Barry and I talking about national popular vote, folks, it's it's a nightmare. Um, what it means is all you here in the Midwest, uh, you're at the mercy of Los Angeles, uh, San Diego, Seattle, New York City, uh, Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Pitts, you know, all, all the other cities where, where the major population centers are. The, the whole idea behind the Electoral College is to protect the, the election from being ramrodded by liberal cities over conservative uh, interior. So uh, Emmer was not going to be elected. What the Democrats hoped to do was create such chaos that a compromised candidate, uh, a middle-of-the-roader, would come in and share power with, with the Democrats. Just like in Texas, in the Texas House of Representatives, they somehow got a, a Speaker of the House with, with enough support of liberal Republicans in Texas, and yes, there are a lot of those. Believe it or not, there are a lot of them. Rhinos and the anti-Trump faction, the anti-conservative faction, uh, they got together and they, they appointed this Speaker of the House who then handed out chairmanships in the committees and split them up between liberal Republicans and Democrats. This is how you got an impeachment of the sitting Attorney General. And if you watch any of that impeachment, it was farcical. It was unbelievably bad. They, they sent no evidence to the Senate. They sent an indictment, sent no evidence to the Senate um, in Texas. And the Senate looked at it and said, what have you got? And basically said, that's your job. You're the one, you're the trying body. You need to find, uh, what Ken Paxton, the, the sitting attorney general in Texas, uh, did wrong and and throw him out of office. And in fact, once te- Texas has a law that once he was indicted, uh, you know, he was impeached and sent to the Senate. He had to step out of the office. He didn't have to resign, but he had to step out of the office. And some of the underlings who were in support of the, uh, a number of his underlings who were in support of the uh, the impeachment, uh, immediately stepped in and tried to essentially take over the office. Um, now their job is to keep the office running while this is going on, and and if he w- wasn't uh, wasn't convicted, then uh, they would say, okay, we we kept the thing. Oh no, they went in and and started took his name off the letterhead and did all kinds of stuff. They assumed he was going to be uh, convicted and. Um, some of them went to the FBI with false stories to try to get the feds involved in investigating Ken Paxton. And this is what you get when you've got a deeply divided uh, legislature and you try to quote unquote share power. That's what the Democrats wanted. They wanted a liberal Republican who would essentially do their bidding for them. In other words, Nancy Pelosi 2.0. Well, what'd they get? They got shocked. Now, the accusation has been made that uh, uh, um, 
that Matt Gates and the, and the eight didn't really didn't have a plan. I think their plan worked perfectly. Now, d- uh, the, uh, Representative Johnson, who's the new Speaker of the House, I don't know that much about him. I'm going to find out about him. I know he is a devout Christian. Well, we went from a guy who basically had no use for Christianity, Kevin McCarthy, uh, had no use for uh, Christianity, essentially uh, having anything to do with his his uh, legislative life, his public policy life. And that's what we are here. We're principles and policies, right? We're about applying Christianity and our faith to public policy, law and policy. Kevin McCarthy had nothing to do with that. Basically, uh, um, Speaker Johnson has come out and said, no, my worldview is the Bible. They've already had prayers on the floor of the house. I've seen pictures of them kneeling around him. Uh, Would I agree totally with his uh, theology and his eschatology, his view of the end times? No, I wouldn't. But you know what? He is a major upgrade from Kevin McCarthy. And he is a major upgrade from uh, Patrick Henry. And he's a major upgrade from Emmer from Minnesota. Folks, major upgrade. Am I unhappy with this? I am not. And so to those who think that Matt Gates and the eight didn't have a plan, he, they may not have had a perfectly worked out plan, but they got one that God intervened in and made sure that the right thing got done. So we'll see what happens. He may be a little overly supportive of Israel for my taste, but then again, Israel right now is an ally in crisis. Um, and what does that mean? It means we need to give them as much support as we can short of military action. No, we should not be involved in uh, sending uh, troops to do anything uh, to deal with any of the uh, possible allies of Hamas. Look, people in the coalition on the other side, Jordan has already said, we're not taking any Palestinian refugees. No, thank you very much. They've had that issue before, and they had to expel them in the past. Why? Because they do the same thing, tried to do the same thing in Jordan. They raised Cain and and tried to pressure the government and actually ran plots to try to depose the, the king of Jordan and that kind of thing. So that's that's the kind of thing. Because Why? Because they're radical Islamists. Okay, that's my view on what's happening there. We've only got a couple of minutes left, a minute or two. I, folks, I'm urging you to vote issue one. I think next week, yeah, November, I will have one more Saturday to campaign for a no on issue one and a no on issue two. So that being said, I am urging you, uh, go vote early. Go vote early and vote no. I, if you recall, we had Catherine Wood on last week, and she said, vote November. And I'm with that. Vote no on issue one, no on issue two, and make November November. And so uh, no on one, no on two. And we'll talk about that more in depth next week. Pray for my sister who had a heart attack last night. Uh, I got a text this morning early that my sister said, hey, don't worry, but I had a heart attack. Well, we have we have heart disease in our family. And uh, so she says, yeah, it's nothing to worry about. And I'm like, well, it's always something to worry about. You know, she says, I had a mild heart attack. There, I said, there is no such thing. 
Yeah, I had a mild heart attack. What does that mean? What that means is that she needs your prayer as well. Her name's Noelle, so pray for my sister. I know a little personal appeal there. Uh, pray for my sister. Pray for Israel. Pray for the new Speaker of the House. Pray for the people in Lewiston, Maine. Pray for the people in Acapulco and Mexico in general. You know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.